And uh, as you find your seat, I invite you to find your Bible and open with me, please, the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 1 tonight. As we come to the Word of God, our prayer is that the Lord would encourage our hearts, and uh, I pray that that uh, song would ring true in our hearts, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And of course, as we come to the book of 2 Kings, we find a continuation a continuation of the, really the, the, the timeline or the chronicles of the kings of Israel, although there is another two, two more books in the Old Testament called Chronicles, and they parallel one another as they share the history of, of the kingdom of Israel, both the northern and southern kingdom. But as we come here tonight, we find uh, a very sad set of circumstances and a great temptation that perhaps people face um, in life. Ahab is, de- is now dead. If you remember from this morning in 1 Kings chapter 22, the prophet Micaiah had, had pronounced Ahab's fate. If you even look back just a page in verse number 28 of chapter 22 in 1 Kings, the Bible says, And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace... The Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And uh, such, such sadness, such tragedy. We find that Ahab was mortally wounded by an archer. In verse number 37 of, of 1 Kings 22, the Bible says, So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they, and they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they, uh, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spake. Now the rest of the acts of, ah- uh, of Ahab, and all that he did, and the, and the ivory house which he made, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? The Bible says, and so Ahab slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah's son reigned in his stead. We find a new king. We find King Ahaziah. And in chapter number 1 of, of Second Kings, we find that something terrible had happened to Ahaziah. He fell. According to verse number, uh, verse number 2, it says, And Ahaziah fell down through the lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and he was sick. Something awful had happened and to his life, he was, he was ill, he was, he was sick, and he was worried. Let me ask you a question. Has anything ever happened in your life that, that caused you to worry? Has anything in your life ever caused you to fear? Has anything in your life ever caused great concern in your heart? What did you do? To whom did you turn? If you're able, I invite you to stand with me tonight as we read the Word of God together. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1 of 2 Kings chapter number 1. And we'll read the whole chapter of Scripture here tonight. It'll give us the great, a great background concerning the setting of what God is doing here. The Bible says, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber, that was in Samaria, and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because... There is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. 
And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was an hairy man, and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of an hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and, and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came fire down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain over fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto him, unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. In verse 13, the Bible says, And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and uh, and, and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and, and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there, are, uh, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him. Be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. So he died, according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and we ask you, Lord, for your blessing for your help as you come to the Word of God. Lord, this is an action-packed chapter of your Word. Lord, much is going on. And Lord, through all the activity, may we not miss the great lesson that you set before us. And so God, tonight we pray that you'd open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your Spirit. Father, that you'd help us tonight come away from this time having been challenged and helped from your word. So Lord, speak to us. Be, help us be ready to hear and swift to act. Lord, may we be obedient people tonight. Lord, guide us by your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And we learn a lot from the lives of Elijah and Elisha. But I believe I've, I've made this statement before. We can also learn much from the lives with those, from those with whom they interact. And here we find Elijah interacting with many people. But there are really two primary, three primary players here in this passage of Scripture. First and foremost, there's God. God is at work. We find the king Ahaziah, who is, who is in a desperate position. And we find Elijah. However, the time that we read of Elijah, really the, the time is limited, though you know, of course we, he's interacting with the, the captains in their 50s. Uh, he's intercepting the, the, the messengers and proclaiming the word of God to them. However, I believe the greatest lesson we find tonight rests in one word. This word, I believe, is mentioned four times here in this particular chapter of Scripture. It's the word inquire. Would you look at what the Bible says in verse number, uh, verse number two? As, a, as Ahaziah speaks to his messengers, he says, Go inquire. In verse number three, we find the great question. 
Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Again, in verse number 6, that we find it again. It says, Thus saith the Lord, it, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou, should, that thou sendest to, notice, inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? In verse number 16, we read it again. The Bible says, And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it not because... There is no God in Israel to inquire of His word. There's that word again five times. Inquire. What does it mean to inquire? The word inquire means to, to, to look for, to seek after. But there's a great implication with this. You see, as, as, as Ahaziah commands these messengers to go and and to, to go to Ekron and inquire in the temple of Beelzebub, this, this pagan god, the, the end of that inquiry is worship. This seeking after, this looking after, will ultimately end in an act of worship. And so here we find God coming to Elijah... And look back in verse, in verse number, in verse number three says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the, king, the God of Ekron? Inquire. After what do you inquire? When you're faced with a difficult circumstance, a dreadful situation, a desperate situation, after whom do you inquire? After whom do you seek? What do you seek after? Hold your place here and, and look at what the Bible says in, in Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, it's an amazing thing what, what the decisions of people's hearts. It, it, it's mind-boggling at times. Yes, we look at this man, Ahaziah. He's grown up in a terrible home. His father was Ahab. His mother was Jezebel. You, can't, you probably can't find two worse parents in all the world. He lived through this drought. He witnessed there, or he at least heard, of the fire of God that had fallen from heaven. He, he knew that the children of Israel, who had gathered there atop of Mount Carmel, came to the conclusion that the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Yet now he has to make the decision after whom or after what he will inquire. When, when troubles come, Christian, where do you go first? Do you pick up your telephone and call someone that you deem trustworthy? Do you go to WebMD? And figure out your diagnosis. After whom do you seek? After, after whom do you inquire? In Psalm 27, we find here the need of all God's people. In Psalm 27, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon, uh, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident." 
In what will he be confident? Look what the Bible says in verse number 4. Where is your confidence tonight? After whom will you inquire? He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I notice, seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and notice and to inquire in His holy temple. Christians, where do you go when trouble comes? To whom do you turn? Do you realize that you cannot, you cannot trust the advice of any person? Really, in the heart of the matter, unless their advice comes from God. The only, the only place that we can truly find our help is right here. So where do you turn? Ahaziah made a, made a drastic mistake. A mistake that cost him his life. He failed to recognize the power of God over the circumstances and situations of his life. You know, we're, pro, we're so prone to worry and fear and fret. We, we sit there, we stew over things. And we, we consult all kinds of different sources to the neglect of the ultimate source, who is God. Look what the Word of God says as we continue here in Psalm 27. He says here, he says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine had be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He says, when thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto, said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Who is David seeking after? He's seeking after the Lord. Who is Ahaziah seeking after? He's seeking after the God of this world. The God of this world cannot save. The God of this world cannot help. The God of this world will only make things worse. But with the Lord, there's hope. With the Lord, there's help. With the Lord, there's healing. And we'll see that in just a, in just a little while. In the Lord, we find the answer. The Bible says, Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou, ha thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Would you mark that statement in your Bibles? When, the, when, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. What does that mean? It means... Just as the Word of God says in Hebrews, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He'll never fail you. He's the only one who can help. He's the only one who has the answer. It is the Lord. The Bible goes on to say, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But there's a seeking here. There's an inquire, inquiry here. There's, there's a sense of worship that we find here. You see, when Ahaziah sent his messengers to Ekron to inquire of Beelzebub, they were going to go in and they were going to make a few prayers, maybe burn some candles, light some incense. But you know what that was, was going to lead them to their knees bowing before this false pagan god? That's why it's important to recognize the one after whom you seek. Do you seek after the Lord? You know what? Life is about pursuits. After whom are you pursuing? After whom are you seeking? Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto thee. Seek the Lord. We want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but we fail because we don't seek after God as we ought. We become distracted. become careless. And maybe even in our willful ignorance, we go after things that are not pleasing God. We consult books, we consult authors, we consult opinions to the neglect of the only one who can help. Christian, what if the only solution, what would you do? Well, let me rephrase this. The only solution is to get on your knees before God and seek after Him with a worshipful heart. Ahaziah made a terrible mistake. In the end, it cost him his life. I don't want to make that same dreadful mistake. And as you look back, turn back with me please to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 1. There are three lessons we learn here tonight as it pertains to inquiring. And inquiring after the right person, the right thing, the right place. If we're going to inquire of the Lord, we must rest in the promises of God. Would you write that down? If you're going to inquire of the Lord, you must rest in the promises of God. Over and over, we find the name of the Lord given throughout this chapter of God's Word. We find the one who speaks, the one who warns, the one who leads this, the prophet Elijah. It is the Lord. Notice, for instance, in verse number 3, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up and meet the, the, the messengers. Do you, know, do you see the significance of his name in verse number 3? It's in all capital letters. Look, look down in verse number 6. The Bible says, And they said unto him, There came, up a, a man, uh, there came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. In all capital letters. Look down in verse number 16 again. It says, And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Again, in all capital letters. What is he doing? He's reminding him of God. And the promises that God had extended to His people. Look back in your Bibles. The book of Exodus, please. Actually, let's, let's look ahead. Let's, let's go back even further. Let's go to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter number 17, actually, let's go back further than that. Genesis chapter number 12. The Bible says, Now the Lord, in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord. Do you see the significance of the name? Again, it's in all capital letters. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee, and I, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall uh, all families of the earth be blessed. There's the promise of God. This is the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that God swear unto Abraham to make him a great nation. That from him, from his family, 
the Lord Jesus Christ would come. And the Bible goes on to say even, uh, even in chapter 26, we find another instance of this Abrahamic covenant. Now not given to Abraham, but reiterated to Abraham's son Isaac. And the Bible says there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went up, uh, went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And notice, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I, which, uh, I, I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I, I, uh, I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. What was this oath? In verse 4, the Bible says, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. It's a reiteration of the Abrahamic covenant. Who was the one that extended this covenant? Was it not the Lord? When we read the name Lord in all capital letters in the Word of God, it's referring to Jehovah God. He is the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God of Israel. And God extended to them these promises. It was an unconditional covenant. It did not rest upon the obedience or the behavior of the children of Israel, but in the faithfulness and goodness of God. Isaac passes away. Jacob is now the patriarch of Israel. God leads them to Egypt. They sojourn there for 400 years. At the end of 400 years, they cry by reason of their affliction. The taskmasters are, are really being quite tasking. Right? And they cry. God hears their cry. And God meets a man by the name of Moses in the backside of the wilderness. Look in Exodus chapter number 8. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3. And Moses in verse 11 said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. Oh, praise the Lord for that. And certainly this shall be a token unto thee that I uh, have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, But behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Christians, we, we rest in the promises of God. And as Elijah, every time Elijah said, Thus saith the Lord, he was reminding Ahaziah of, of the promises of God. Do you realize that Ahaziah did not have to do as Ahab and Jezebel did? He, he could have made a decision. Unfortunately, he chose wrong. And unfortunately, he chose to worship and serve the gods of this world instead of the God of the only true living God of heaven, Jehovah. You know what's a great? Is that the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. And we just read in, in, in Exodus chapter 3, but won't you look in the New Testament book of John? The Gospel of John, chapter number 8. The Bible says, in verse number 56, your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, 
And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said un, uh, then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Before or sorry, verily, verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. The Lord is the author and finisher of our faith. Look ahead to first uh, to second Peter chapter number one tonight. We rest in the promises of God. Christians, we don't inquire after the things of this world. Inquire after the Lord because it is in Him that we live and breathe and have our being. It is, it is because of Him that we have salvation. It is because of Him that we are what we are. Even Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But in 2 Peter chapter number 1, we find something that ought to propel us to worship the Lord. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And notice what the Bible says in verse number 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? Promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Christian, after whom are you inquiring? What has the world promised you? What, what, can, what can Beelzebub promise you? What can the devil give you? What can Satan do for you? The Bible says that the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what does our Savior Jesus Christ have to say? He comes and He gives a promise. He says, I come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Christian, you must cling to the promises of God. These precious promises. Hold them fast. Hold on to them tight. He said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. And when trouble comes your way, when hardship comes, because it will if it hasn't already, after whom will you inquire? Has not God met the greatest need of your life in salvation? And can He not freely give you all things? Are you struggling? Do you need peace? Rest in the promises of God. We have forgiveness of sin. We have a home in heaven. We have a relationship with Almighty God. We have access to God through prayer. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christian, don't inquire after the things of this world. Inquire after the Lord and rest in the promises of God. Notice the second truth we find tonight. Look back in the book of 2 Kings in chapter number 1. We are to remember God's former work. Remember God's former work. You know, studying the life of Elijah, fire is connected to this man. I don't know if he's a pyromaniac or what, but uh, I don't know if he liked to burn things down, but maybe he liked to play with fire. I'm not sure. He prayed fire down from heaven. As he was there in Horeb, fire passed by. And now we find him here sitting atop of a hill where these captains come with their fifties 
And He commands fire to come down from heaven. In a short while in God's Word, He's going to ascend up to heaven in a chariot of fire. You know, this man, he loved fire. But I want you to notice a couple things here. Look in verse number 12 of chapter 1 of 2 Kings. As, as we read this, I'm reminded of what God has done. Look at, the, look, at this, look at the expressions. Look at what the Bible says in verse 9. It says, Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. Sounds like the duel that he had with the, with the prophets of Baal. Whoever God answers by fire, let him be God, right? Well, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee in thy fifties. I don't know about you, but man, I would have probably ran away. I don't think I could have outrun God. The fire would have chased him down. Boom! You know, consumed him. But look what the Bible says there in verse number 10. It says, and there came fire, I'm sorry, and there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. There's 51 people right there. Gone. Ahaziah didn't learn because he didn't remember. He failed to remember. The Bible says in verse number 11, again also he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto, him, unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. But notice the statement there, concluding verse number 12. It says, And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Christian, we look back in, in, uh, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. And notice what the Word of God says in verse number 38. The Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. What will keep you from inquiring after the things of this world? What will keep us, what will keep our hearts and minds is to constantly remember what God has done. What, what has God not done? For you. I know I said this this morning, but I'm going to say it again. Every good thing in my life is traceable to the hand of God. Every bad thing in my life is traceable to me. And my poor decisions, my sin, or that of someone else. But nothing terrible has ever come my way via the hand of God. I want you to look what the Bible says in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I want you to notice this. Please turn there. Psalm 103. Begin in verse number 1. And remember, Ahaziah, he, is, he has sent messengers to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to inquire of him to see whether or not he would be healed of his disease. But look what the Bible says in Psalm 103 and verse 1. It says, Blessed be the Lord, O my, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within, the, within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And notice the statement, underline this, this statement in your Bibles, and forget not all His benefits. Forget not all His benefits. In other words, God works for you. Or He works on your behalf. In other words, God hears your prayers. God answers your prayer. God is able. Only God is able. And the Word of God goes on to say in verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Notice in verse 3, what was Ahaziah's problem? Was he not diseased? Who healeth all thy diseases. Only God can heal. Beelzebub can't heal. 
Ahaziah forgot. He forgot what God did. And because he forgot what God had done, he forgot what God can do. And Christian, if we, if we go through life and we, we become enamored by the things of the world, there, you know there are so many different, so, I said it this morning, there are so many different voices in the world Everybody has one opinion. Uh, I, I don't know. I was growing up, or when I was growing up, I remember. I don't know what they call it. Uh, oh, I forget the name of the diet, but it's when you only eat meat. That's the diet I want to be on, right? The Atkins diet. Thank you very much. It was the best thing in the world to only eat meat. Sign me up for that, and then order me a hog and a side of beef. You know, because we are we are going to the Brazilian steakhouse tonight. You know, we're going to have a good time. And now there's a keto diet, which if, if my memory serves me right, it's no meat, all vegetables. Ain't nobody got time for that. What did God say to Peter when that sheet came down from, from heaven? Kill it and eat it, man! But... You understand, there's so many different opinions. Well, this is good now. Well, now that's bad. Now this is good. Give it a week. That'll be bad and something else will be good. There are so many different views. There's so many different opinions. But it's only God. Look there again. It says, Who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy... Uh, so that, uh, uh, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Renewed. Made new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christian, I, we're thankful for the work that God has done in our lives. But if we forget what God has done, then we will fail and we will inquire and seek after the things of the world. Look in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse number 7. And notice what the Word of God says. This is our theme verse for the year. Remember, he says that they might set their hope in God and not do what? And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Ahaziah had no hope. That's why he sought after the things of this world. He had forgotten the works of God. He forgot that God was able. He forgot that it was the Lord that heals all of his diseases. He forgot that, that God had rained down fire from heaven. He forgot that the Lord defeated Baal. He forgot that Beelzebub, you know what, he's just a pagan god. He's, just a god. he's just an idol. The Bible says all other gods are idols. Beelzebub falls into that category. He's the god of this world. Christian, you and I, just consider the mighty works of God in our lives. Look, look ahead in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. This is one of my favorite chapters of God's Word. And you have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. In verse number 11, note what the Bible says. He says, wherefore remember, remember, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called, un, uh, called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now. In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that He might 
reconciled both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, because we've remembered this, the Bible says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What has God done for us? He saved us. He's brought us to Himself. We were far off. We were aliens. We were strangers. We're made nigh by the blood of Christ. How dare we then seek after any other? How dare we worship any other? Let us seek God and God alone. Notice lastly tonight, let's look back in 2 Kings chapter number 1. It's simple. It may be a bit redundant. But we must constantly remind ourselves to refrain from seeking after the world's wisdom. Refrain from seeking after the world's wisdom. There's a cost to the world's wisdom. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. The Word of God says, Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up. Notice, but shall surely die. Why don't we want the wisdom that is of the world? Because it only hurts you. That's why. Again, in verse 16, we find that statement again. It says, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. There's a cost to seeking after the world. Look in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. You may have this memorized, but I want you to turn there anyhow. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse number 8, the Bible says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Don't allow the world, don't let the world steal from you the things that God has so freely given unto you. He is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who heals. He's the one who helps. He is our hope. And what the world will tell you, why, why do Christians still wear masks? I mean, you can if you have if you have a health concern. I understand. But Christians, God is bigger than COVID-19. What are you afraid of? I, I saw a news headline today. The, the, uh, the chief medical doctor from the United States was... Um, not Fauci. Um, I forget. It doesn't matter. But he said that they were wrong to require masks. And they, have to, they ought to rethink the... Uh, reimposing the edicts upon everybody. They had it wrong? How many people did they hurt? Why, why are we living in fear? Because we allow the wisdom of the world to determine the course of our lives. There's a better way. Look at what the Bible says in the book of James as we close tonight. Book of James, chapter 3. 
know, the wisdom of the world changes. Why, is, why does the wisdom of the world change? Because it has no foundation. It has no foundation. Our faith has foundation. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. He is our foundation. The Word of God is our foundation. We cling and hold fast to the Word of God. That will never change. In James chapter 3, notice what the Word of God says, beginning in verse number 13. It says, Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom, notice, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and, with, and, and, uh, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. There's a difference between the wisdom that is of the world and the wisdom that is of the Lord. You know what the, you know what, you know the price that Ahaziah paid? was his life. But not just his. There was 102 other men that died. Because he refused to inquire of God. Christian, before whom will you inquire? Before whom will you worship? After whom will you seek? After whom will you search? Where will you look for answers? Where will you look for truth? Where will you look for hope and help? Be sure that what you seek after, you will inevitably worship. Therefore, may we seek the Lord. Remember these truths that we rest in the promises of God, remember the works of God, and refrain from seeking after the wisdom that is in this world. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. In a moment, we'll close with prayer.